The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. My next guest is a multi award winning writer, essayist, and poet. Her new book, Some of Us Just Fall on Nature and Not Getting Better, is a meditation on her lifetime living with chronic illness. I have read it. It is a beautiful read, and she joins me now. Polly, welcome to the show. Thank you. So lovely to be here. Um, fabulous to talk to you and uh, loving the book, just the the pace at which it's written. It opens with this gorgeous image of you floating in water and swimming and just that pace with the tide of going through the book. It's It's a really calming read, even though you are dealing with some very intense issues. Can you take us back to how you came to realise that you had chronic illness? Yes, well, I kind of known all of my life, so I knew that there were things in my body that weren't working properly, and uh, even from when I was a very small child, that I had broken two bones by the time I was five, so I started school with a broken leg, and um, when I was a toddler, I, I'd broken my leg as well, mm-hmm. and then lots of things just weren't quite right, um, but I, then when I was a teenager, I became very ill, and that's when we first started to think, oh, maybe there's there's something more going on here. But really, it took me another 16 years after that to actually find out why. So I had this elongated period where I was trying to pretend um, that I was fine because I'd been told that I was fine, but I really was not. And I knew I wasn't. And would you, for the listeners who haven't yet read the book, but hopefully will, can you talk to us about what your symptoms were, how it was presented, how it was presenting this chronic illness? Yeah, so it, it's really complicated. And in some ways, I understand why it took so long as well, because both of my main conditions are systemic. So they affect every part of my body. So I would get headaches, I would feel dizzy when I stood up and want to lie down or fall over. And I would be very clumsy and I would fall over a lot. I also would dislocate a lot of joints um, and have a lot of pain. So both pain in my joints, but also pain in, in other parts of my body as well. And when it got really bad and what eventually led to my diagnosis was a terrible pain in my abdomen, which went on and on for for months and eventually for 18 months before anyone realized what was causing it um, to the point where they thought I might have a tumor. There were all sorts of ideas going around. And then on top of that, just a general crushing fatigue. So a, a, a kind of terrible, continual, deep fatigue um, that just has determined so much of my life. And what was the diagnosis in the end? So first off, I was diagnosed with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is a connective tissue disorder, which stems from um, the collagen in the body. So the kind of glue that holds the body together, not being formed properly. So it means that everything in your body from the ligaments that hold your joints together to your skin to all of your organs are too stretchy and kind of not elastic enough so they don't kind of ping back Um, so it affects everything that goes on but then a year after I got that diagnosis one of the doctors I was seeing for that ran some bloods and realized that I also have genetic hemochromatosis um, which is an iron loading condition where you build up toxic levels of iron in your body. It's like the opposite of anemia almost. Yeah, yeah, completely. It's, it's literally the opposite of anemia. Although strangely, the symptoms are quite similar. So um, I think there are a lot of people who um, think that they might be iron deficiency anemic, who might actually have hemochromatosis. Too much iron. And okay. can you tell us about how doctors, it's something I found really interesting in the book, how professionals have responded to, first of all, your illness mm. and then the diagnosis? 
Yeah, well, it, there's a problem, I think, which is common to a lot of people with chronic illnesses, that if it's not really visible from the outside, the response that people from friends to professionals give you is that you look really well. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that, that becomes a, a really big problem, especially when you're a younger person um, going to see doctors and saying, look, I feel terrible. I feel like I'm dying. And to you from the outside, you look fine. And as someone said to me the other day, you know, they, they run their six blood tests that they do and they're all fine. So they think you're fine too. And they send you away um, saying that there's, there's nothing wrong with you at all. So I had a, a long period of um, trying to find out why I felt so bad and being told that there was absolutely no reason for it whatsoever. Which is just so frustrating. And that kind of medical gaslighting, I think, is particular to women, although it does happen to men yeah. too. Um, how do you feel about the word cure and that you <laughs> would recover from something? Yeah, it's really difficult. So it's something that I, I write about a lot in the book because both of my conditions are incurable. They're lifelong conditions and they're genetic as well. So they're part of me in the in the very smallest parts of me. You know, they're in every cell. Um, so it's hard to think about who I would be if I didn't have these conditions. I wouldn't be the same person at all. So the idea of, of cure has... Uh, a, a different kind of connotation to me. Like I'd love not to have some of the symptoms that I have, but who would I be if I didn't have these conditions? Mm-hmm. And it, I think sometimes in um, disabled communities, the idea of, of cure can be seen as, as a bit of a threat, actually, that it wants to eradicate people who are different and who have different bodily experiences. Yeah, the... I, I'm also interested in this in this theory, like in the book about um, there's a kind of an accepted narrative that I think is perpetuated mm-hmm. by social media that that illness is a manifestation mm-hmm. of something inside you that like you can manifest wellness if you just think positively and maybe change your diet a little bit and, you know, mm-hmm. cut out dairy and eat green things that it's literally dis-ease, like unease within you that is psychologically yeah. unresolved, that if you do psychological work, you can cure it. Do you do you feel that feeding into you? Yeah, definitely. I was talking to someone about this the other day that I think actually that belief system is, is so strong in our society um, that trying to undo that, even within yourself, mm-hmm. even though I know that's not true, um, I still find myself blaming myself sometimes. And I I think it's so strong. It's almost like a a kind of religion, that idea that our illness comes from something that we ourselves are doing wrong, that we're to blame for our own symptoms in some way, Um, either through something we're not doing right or something we're not being in the right way. Um, And it's really insidious and I I think very victim blaming as well. Um, And you find people reflecting that back on themselves all of the time. And I think we really need to shift away from that. And it's it's feeding into wellness culture, obviously, as well. But I think it's something much older than that, too. But that idea that we could have some kind of control over the, the conditions of our body, I understand why people want to feel like that as well, because the other option is terrifying, quite which scary, is the truth, yes, right? Yes. Isn't it that that we don't have control and things happen to us and things happen to our bodies and we can't just make them better by spending more time outside or eating kale or doing yoga. <laughs> we like to feel that we have some sort of control over it. Can you talk to us about what it's like living now day to day with 
like chronic pain, chronic illness and the kind of calculations you have to do to make to be in a place? Yeah, so the, again, this is something I think people who are healthy and able-bodied don't realise the kind of calculations that, that you have to do in order to get through a day. So I'm always thinking, because a large part of my conditions is um, what we call energy limitation as well. So um, as I say, this kind of crushing fatigue and not having enough energy to do things. So I have to think, oh, if I want to go out today, can I wash my hair? Probably not. Um, if I'm and is that having because a bad... it's going to cause pain or just yeah. the energy will be so depleting? Both. Okay. Both. So it, it's both for me. And I, I remember having a conversation with someone a few years ago about this and they said to me, but you're not in pain right now. And I said, yeah, I'm in pain right now. <laughs> I'm in pain all, all of the, the time. time. Okay. Um, it's just, there's a degree. Of, Which is exhausting. Um, yeah, it, it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. So the pain, the pain itself is exhausting. And then there's the fatigue on top of it. And then for me, um, a lot of my symptoms are worse in the morning as well, because um, along with my Erlos Danlos, I have something called dysautonomia, which is where your or your autonomic nervous system doesn't work very well. And for me, um, then being upright is quite difficult, which you could imagine being quite uh, difficult to fit into your life. That, yes. that um, being upright can can be difficult. And that's worse in the morning as well. So Is that because you've after- been lying down all night? Or- yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, completely. So um, it takes me a long time to recover from going from being um, horizontal in bed to being vertical and awake. <laughs> yes, in the world. And, and not in a way that just coffee can fix. No, no, I yeah. wish it could. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so do you have, are you, do you find that there are barriers to you working to that the world that you are disabled by the world and the society that expects you to live at a certain pace. Definitely. Both the idea of of productivity and kind of continual uh, activity. So um, for me, I I was finding I'd start jobs and I'd be okay. And then I'd I'd burn out within a few months because I couldn't keep going. Even when I was younger and less symptomatic than I am now, I couldn't keep going day after day after day because I needed rest in between doing those things. And also the, the kind of nine to five culture just um, simply doesn't work for me that I, I can't function at, at nine o'clock. I can do it once and then takes a month for me to recover from it. <laughs> yes. And are there accommodations that you feel now that you have a diagnosis and that you that, that you have written so much and you seem so self-aware that you are sort of uncompromisingly able to ask for accommodations for yourself? Uncompromisingly is a really interesting question there. I try really hard. Mm-hmm. I still find it I still find it hard. And sometimes you you forget something or you ask for one thing and you forget for another uh, another thing. So it's quite useful, I think, to um make a list of things that help um facilitate you doing particular kinds of work or particular kinds of jobs. Um so sometimes we call that an access rider. Okay. Um, yes. And, yeah. But particularly for people like me who do freelance work, that can be really useful. Um, but I still get it wrong. You know, I still think, oh, I'll be okay if I do this and then do this. And then, uh, you know, I pay for it for not being able to work for a few weeks afterwards. That's the thing. And I, I'm I'm really relating and I really relate to the book, not because I have chronic illness, but I am autistic. And so uh, yeah. there are things where I can do something one day and then I think, oh, I was able to do that. So I'll be able to do it again. Mm-hmm. But my support <laughs> needs change day to day. Do you find that yeah. you're able to do something one day and then people expect that because you did yes. it once, you can do it again. But actually, 
your needs change. Yeah, completely. And and often you can't do it again precisely because you did it one day yes. as well. Yeah. Right. So um, you've used all of your energy doing and all of your capacity doing that one thing that one day. Um, so I what I do is, is try and build in rest periods. And when I can't build in rest periods, so when um, for example, recording the audiobook for this, I had to do it three days in a row, and then it took me the rest of the month to recover because I would never choose to do anything three days in a row. In a row. And people <laughs> just don't get it. That is Polly no. Egan. Thank you so much for talking to me. And her book is called Some of Us Just Fall on Nature and Not Getting Better, and it's definitely worth the read. Thank you so much. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.